we feel like that almost every one of us, hopefully every one of us, has a desire to hear from heaven. That there is a need in us. We do need prayer for, we do, we are, do have a, a desperation for the heavenly type of hearing that we would actually hear from the voice of God. I was recently at a conference uh, with Sean Bowles and he said, if you know anything about Sean Bowles, this is the type of guy that like seems like he just has like the direct line to like Jesus' office in heaven and it's crazy the things that he hears. But he said his publisher reached out to him and said, hey, we took a poll of all of our readers and uh, people who are call themselves Christians, they want to know how to hear from God, and so you write a book on that subject. I mean, it's just, it's an extremely important subject, and so we're starting a new series today called Whisper, and it's loosely based off this book that you could, um, by Mark Batterson, called Whisper. Um, we're going to take some of the subjects and some of the thoughts from this book. You could find this book out of Bridges if you like. We're just selling it for whatever we bought it for on Amazon. Um, but we're really excited going into this summer to sort of set this time aside, set this season aside to tune in to the voice of God. And so I'm going to jump in today. If you have a Bible, would you turn to 1 Kings chapter 19? As we begin this series called Whisper. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard the passage that we're going to read together uh, and that we're going to sort of look at together. But I want to invite you to listen with with fresh ears this morning for what God might speak in a different way. But let me give you a little context. The, the passage that we're going to read in 1 Kings 19 is, is all around the life of this guy named Elijah. And Elijah is no small character in the scriptures. He's not just sort of a, a blip on the historical timeline. He's a massive character. The theologians would call him one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And indeed, he shows up even into the New Testament. So what you need to know about Elijah is he's sort of the, the guy that came after Moses as the mouthpiece of God. He's a, a major prophet in terms of working in miracles and doing massive signs and wonders in front of the people. He was one that was that was ordained by God to speak not only to all of Israel, but to the kings, directing of what God's thoughts were and directing to what the issues were of the time and directing how the people could turn back to God. You see, the time that Elijah was living in, there was a, a really bad king and he had a really bad wife and they were leading all of the people of Israel to turn away from God and worship foreign idols. And here God sends this man named Elijah onto the scene to be his mouthpiece, to be his prophet, to be the representation of his heart towards the people. Now, Elijah was such a powerful person. He's the first prophet, first person to ever raise somebody from the dead. And then he himself didn't even die. He was taken up into heaven by a chariot. I mean, it's crazy. And th this guy is not just a small character in history. He shows up. This is the last two verses in the, in the Old Testament. It says this, Behold, I will send to you Elijah, my prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn hearts of the fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The last two verses in the entire Old Testament speak of this prophet Elijah even sort of coming again. And this was a foreshadowing of John the Baptist now, how he came to prepare the way for the Lord. Elijah's name shows up 28 times in the New Testament. And so I say all that to say that, that this person is a major character in the Old Testament, what's going on at this particular moment in time is he's speaking to the king 
because the king has led all the people to turn away. And at one point he says, king, there's going to be no rain in the land for three years. And so as I speak it, so it will be done. And there was not a drop of rain for three years. And Elijah shows back up on the scene and he's sort of, You've probably heard this story before. He, sh he shows up and he calls all of the, the prophets of the false god Baal to this mountain. And he says, hey, we're going to have a showdown, you and I, and we're going to decide once and for all who the real God is. Is your God the real God or is Yahweh the real God? And so this is what we're going to do. We're both going to build altars and we're both going to start praying and we're both going to call down fire from heaven and whichever altar lights up on fire, then we'll know that's the true God. And so if, if Yahweh is the true God, then let's all serve him. And if he's not, then okay, let's serve the other God. But this is the test. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they built their altar and they started praying and they started whipping themselves and, and they're just praying and praying and praying. And Elijah's sitting there saying, hey, wh where's your God at? Did he take a nap? Maybe he's in the restroom. What's going on? Nothing happens to their altar. And so then Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. And so he builds his altar, and he says, put some water on it. Put some more water on it. And he prays. He says, God, will you show up and reveal yourself? And fire fell from heaven and scorched the whole thing up. It was a great and mighty victory, a miracle from heaven. He stood on this mountain in the midst of the whole congregation of the people and all these false prophets. And, and the man of God, Elijah, had this great victory. But then the next day, the queen said, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. Because of what you did on that mountain, I'm going to swear upon myself, I'm going to put you to death. And so Elijah goes running for his life. I heard one pastor say he went running from his life. I don't know if you've figured it out yet, but just because we have a victory yesterday doesn't remove the threat of tomorrow. And Elijah, though he was a mighty man of God, a mouthpiece of God, a worker of miracles, in many ways he's just like you and I. He struggles and, and he was just tired. He was, he was tired of, of serving God with his whole heart and his whole life. Everything that he had was in the, in the service of the king. And, and because the people were not responding, they didn't just fully turn and he's getting this death threat. He went running from his life and he went running for his life into the wilderness. He's broken down. He even gets to a place where he says, God, I, I don't even want to live anymore. Just take me home. Have you ever been in that place before in life? Where you're just worn down. You're tired. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. It feels like you're trying and trying and trying. And though you may have a victory today, you wake up the next morning and you, you still feel that financial pressure that's upon you. Though you might have a victory in one area today, you know that you're going to wake up tomorrow and that relational issue is still going on. You know that feeling in your soul where you're just dry and you're weary and you're tired. And I don't know if you've experienced this before, but sometimes in life, even though we feel like we need material things like money or relational resolution, that... It's not really the material things that we need that we're in this place. We find ourselves in this place where we're just desperate to hear from the voice of God. 
Yes, we need provision, but, but we're, you're in that battle of your life and you're dealing with that health issue. And though you are seeking medical counsel and you might be even taking medicine, what you really know that you want deep in your soul is just for God to speak to you and tell you that you're going to be okay. Are you desperate to hear the voice of God? Elijah was tired. He was beat down. He was running for his life. And he made his way up to another mountain all alone. And this is what it says, 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. It says, There he came to a cave, and he lodged in it. And behold, when you see this word behold come up in the scriptures, it's, it's a way of the writers saying, listen, pay attention to this. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is God calling him out because he's saying, what you're doing here in the cave all alone is not what I've called you to. No, I've called you, man of God, with a purpose, with a plan. You have a role to play in this world, and you need to be back in the world amongst the people playing your role. What are you doing here all alone? And he said to him, I've been very jealous for the Lord. I've been zealous. I've been passionate for you, God. For the Lord of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, they've thrown down your altars, and they, they've killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek to take my life and take it away. And he said, go stand at the mouth uh, of the cave before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it to pieces. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And God shows up. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you're a present God. Not just some philosophy to study, not just um, some dead and gone deity to uh, learn about and remember, but you're a risen king, you're a present spirit, and we recognize you in this place right now. We recognize the authority of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, and so together we invite you to speak to us, even as we begin this series that is all about hearing your voice, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, whatever it is that you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read one passage from the book. Patterson writes this. On the morning of August 27, 1883, ranchers in Alice Springs, Australia, heard what sounded like gunshots. The same mysterious sound was reported in 50 geographical locations spanning one-thirteenth of the entire globe. What those Aussies heard was the eruption of a volcano on a remote Indonesian island 2,233 miles away. 
The volcanic eruption, possibly the loudest sound ever measured, was so loud that it hit a, a 310 decibels. And the 310 decibel sound waves circumnavigated the globe at least four times. It generated 3,000 foot tidal waves, threw rocks a distance of 34 miles, and cracked one foot thick concrete 300 miles away. If you were to drill a hole directly through the center of the earth opposite the island in Indonesia, you'd find Colombia, South America. Although the sound of the eruption wasn't audible in Colombia, there was a measurable spike in atmospheric pressure because of the infrasonic sound waves that caused the air to tense. The sound may not have been heard, but it was felt all the way around the world. According to science journalist and New York Times columnist Maggie Baker, quote, just because you can't hear sound doesn't mean it isn't there. At low levels, sound is imperceptible. At high levels, it's unignorable. If sound exceeds 110 decibels, we experience change in our blood pressure. At 141 decibels, we become nauseous. At 145 decibels, our vision blurs because our eyeballs vibrate. At 195 decibels, our eardrums are in danger of rupturing, and death by sound can occur at 202 decibels. The act of hearing is detecting vibrations in the eardrum caused by sound waves, and the intensity of those waves is measured in decibels. On one end of the spectrum is the sperm whale, the loudest animal on Earth. The clicking noise it uses to echolocate can hit 200 decibels. Even more impressive, researchers believe that a whale's song can travel up to 10,000 miles underwater. Next to the sperm whale is jet engines at 150 decibels, air horns at 129 decibels, thunderclaps at 120 decibels, and heart of the city church worship at 99 decibels. That's the 909 service. Come to the 1111 if you want it louder. And what's on the other end of the spectrum? A whisper measuring at just 15 decibels. You see, God has many tools that are in his, his toolbox. God has the might and strength to do absolutely anything that he wants to do. His muscles are pretty large. He has the ability to send legions and thousands and thousands of angels to accomplish the tasks that he wants to accomplish. And yet so often throughout history, God chooses to extend his power, not through his muscles, but through his voice. We see this even in creation when he, when he spoke something out of nothing. It says that God said, let there be light. And he spoke everything that we see into creation with his voice. The sound of God's voice might be the most powerful tool in the entire universe. God can do and say whatever it is that he wants to say. And yet so often he chooses not to raise his voice but to lower it. This is the scenario that Elijah finds himself in as a person that was doing God's work, as a person that had given his whole life to the service of God. He found himself broken down. He found himself beat down. He found himself even to the place of desiring to be dead. And, and, and God shows up to him and it says that God was not in the loud wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire, but he was in the whisper. 
The Hebrew word that you would find in your text there can be uh, translated in a few different ways. I don't know what your version of the Bible says, but uh, this Hebrew word can be translated as stillness, calmness, quietness, a whisper, a low whisper, or even silence. I mean, many theologians actually argue the, the insinuation of this text is this contrast between these high decibel sounds and the sound of sheer silence. And so why is it that God decides to speak the way that he speaks? If you're anything like me, in the midst of your struggle or even in the midst of your victories in life, you are just as desperate for God's voice and, and, and you're crying out to God and you're saying, Lord, I'm seeking you for the answers to these, these problems that I have. I don't want to listen to the world. I don't want to listen to my own flesh. I don't want to listen to what the television is telling me or what social media says. I want to listen to you, God. Why aren't you speaking louder? And we struggle with this thought, don't we? Because we believe that God wants to speak to us, and yet sometimes it's so hard to hear him. Why is it that God doesn't choose to just boom in that Morgan Freeman voice? It's God. Here's the answer to all your problems. Morgan Freeman has an awesome voice. I wish I had his voice. Why is it that God, when he could choose to speak however he wants, why is it that God chooses to speak in a whisper? I think it's because when it comes to sound, there are a few ways that you can get people's attention. You can raise the decibel level. You can raise your voice because if you want people to hear you, then in our society at least, all you have to do is just be louder than everybody else and drown out the atmosphere and you could basically force your voice upon people. That's one way to get people to listen. But there's another way that gets people to listen if they so choose. And that's by lowering your voice. Because when you speak in a whisper, people are forced to either say, I don't really care, or they're forced to Some 14 times in the New Testament, it says, for those who have ears, let them hear. My question to you today is, do you really want to hear the voice of God? <laughs> You're awesome. It might seem obvious. Of course we want to hear the voice of God. But do you really want to hear the voice of God? 
I was approaching this message and I, I first thought to myself that it's probably just as obvious as you think it is. Of course we do. I mean, anybody that's in this room that's a Jesus follower, of course. You know, we might even say, I'm de- we're desperate to hear from God. I, I, I want to hear from him. But it got me thinking more and more, do we really truly want to hear from God? Because if we really do, it's not just us sitting back saying, yeah, God, I want to hear from you. Or for us to put up our our prayer requests and say, these are the only things that I want you to speak to me on. But it's an attitude that says, God, I want to hear from you no matter what you have to say. And also, we have to be honest, we have to take one step further and say, if we really want to hear from God, it means putting down certain things that we're filling our ears with and our minds with and our lives with and picking up other things. And this whole series is going to be about picking up some things that will probably steal some, some tools and some methods and some things that Batterson lines out, really just things that the scripture lines out, some things that we could pick up and instill, instill in our life, ways that we could better hear from God. But my assignment today is not to really talk through all of those tools and those methods and those things that you can do. My assignment today in preparation for this series is to ask the question, do we really truly genuinely want to hear from God? And if so, then what are the things that we need to put down? The story of Elijah is not just a story that's just about this one man of God saying, oh, God wanted to speak to him, and he shows up in this mighty way, and then he speaks to him in a whisper. No, it's, it's something that's echoed all throughout the scriptures, and Jesus puts it like this when he says, I, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, in John 10, 27. He's speaking about all of us, not just a prophet with a special gift, not just one or two special men or women of God in history, but every person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus says, they're going to hear my voice. He goes on to say, they won't even recognize the voice of a stranger. It's an amazing thing. Uh, you, could, you could find this on YouTube. You could type in, uh, hear my voice or John 10, and, and you'd find these videos of people, modern-day shepherds, who bring people out to their shepherd, their pasture. I just watched one, and the shepherd said, hey, these are the words that I say when I want to call my sheep. And he has person after person walk up to the fence and speak the same exact words, yell them. And they'd yell them in higher or lower volumes and different tones. And every single person that steps up and yells to the sheep, the sheep don't even lift their head. But then the true shepherd steps up, says the same exact words that everybody else said, and you can watch this on YouTube, it's amazing. Every sheep looks up and looks at the guy, and then they all start running towards him. Like, we don't shepherd anymore, so we don't really get it, but this is what Jesus is talking about. Every, every person he was speaking to would have known this, that when, when there's a bunch of sheep and a bunch of shepherds around a watering hole, when one shepherd gets up to leave and calls out, all of that person's sheep come out from the crowd and start following. This is the type of relationship that our God wants with us. One that says, we won't even respond to the voice of the devil. We won't even respond to the voice of the world. We don't care what Hollywood is telling us. We don't care what social media is saying to us. We're only going to listen to the voice of God. And his promise is that his people will hear his voice. 
In Hebrews, it says that in days past, God spoke in many times and in many different ways. And I think it's true now that even though it's a promise that we will all hear his voice, it's not a promise the way that we're necessarily going to hear it because you and I are like Elijah. We're expecting that God is going to be in the loud, in the high decibel, in the volume, in the show, in the magnificent Morgan Freemanness of God's voice. But that's not how God chooses to speak. Often he whispers, and I think it's because God is concerned with intimacy, not just information. He wants us to tune out the things that are around us, lean into him, and really seek to hear his voice. It's hard, though, because we live in a noisy society, don't we? And we do it to ourselves. You know, I mean, if your life is anything like mine, it's really loud. I, I make my life loud. I do it to myself. And it's kind of insane. Like, do you know what this sound is? Anybody know what that is? Well, in my house, we call it white noise. It's a necessity in my house if you want to fall asleep. I'm not kidding you, this is what we sleep to. Like we didn't just buy a fan like some of you, we bought a special device called a white noise maker. You see, I used to be the type of person that needed silence to sleep like normal human beings. And then I got married to a woman that sleeps to this. And so now I sleep to this. And it's the craziest thing. The more you get used to the noise, the more you feel like you can't live without it. It's like an audio blanket for my ears, you know? You can't, you can't sleep without a blanket, it's uncomfortable. And so now, I need this or I can't fall asleep. I even, I even when I go on missions trips or out of town or I'm at man's camp, I bring a white noisemaker. And if the people in my camper don't want it, I'll put headphones in. So I can drown out all my thoughts. This is the world we live in. Is your life noisy? We fill our lives with television. Anybody turn the TV on just to have it in the background? You know, it's on, but you're not really paying attention to it. It's World Cup season right now. That's why we have this guy talking. Any soccer fans out there? Yeah, I'm a soccer fan. That was messy. You guys don't know how messy it is. We have noise. We got white noise. We got TVs on. We got, we got lives and families and babies and kids. And I mean, our lives are just so busy. We got stuff going on all the time, right? I was going to put a button on here of like your spouse nagging you to do your chores, but I don't have that. I have a perfect spouse. <laughs> We have this constant need for money. You know, we, we, we have this noise, this pressure on us to, to go to work and make money and provide. And I don't know if your boss is anything like mine, but... Wazowski, you didn't file your paperwork last night. Don't let it happen again. I am watching you, Wazowski. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> like, it's just 
all the time we have this stuff going on. And then I don't know if you have the distraction device in your pocket right now. Who's checked your cell phone since I started preaching? Be honest, raise your hand. I mean, it's just crazy, like these. Like, 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 we just live in a crazy, loud, busy, it'd be really annoying to hear a sermon the whole way through like this, isn't it? It'd be super annoying to try and listen to my voice with all this stuff going on. And yet we do it. So then we think to ourselves, I know what I need to do. I need to put some worship music on. Speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Quiet, I'm trying to hear from God. Lord, speak to me. It's just so hard to hear from him. worship music sometimes like I I've recognized this about myself I'm the type of person that even when I pray I like to have worship music on and it's like why do I always feel like have you ever turned in your car turned everything off and just driven in silence it's awkward we just live in a noisy world and I just wonder if we would decide to put some of that stuff down and tune it out. Lean in close. Are you listening? I want to speak to you. Lean in close. Are you listening? I want to speak to you. Lean in close. Are you listening? I just wonder if we would put down the distraction boxes in our pocket, turn off the TV, decide maybe we're going to log out of Facebook and Instagram for a month, and tune in to what the scripture has to say for the rest of our life. I just wonder if maybe the problem is not that God isn't speaking to us, but that maybe we have established in our lives a pattern where we're just unable to hear his whisper. Because we have so much going on all the time. We do it to ourselves. Batterson recounts this research project that was done by Gordon, a man named Gordon Hempton, who compiled a list called The List of the Last Great Quiet Places. Listen to this. It consists of places that have at least 15 minutes of uninterrupted quiet during daylight hours. At last count, there were only 12 places left in the entire United States. 12 places where you can be and have 15 minutes of silence without at least a plane flying overhead or a car driving by or an air conditioner kicking on or a cell phone going off. It's a noisy world that we live in. And if we're gonna be honest, and if we're gonna be desperate, if we're gonna be serious about wanting to hear from the voice of God, we have to acknowledge how busy and how loud we've allowed our world to become. 
And we have to make the decision to put some things down in order so that we could put, pick other things up in order that we could tune into the voice of God. I wanna close with this thought. I'm gonna paraphrase what Mark says. In one place in this book, he makes this very simple, short, yet extremely profound statement. And I think it's really uh, sort of the pinnacle of what I'm trying to say. He says something to the effect of, unless we are people that want to hear everything that God has to say, we'll eventually become people that hear nothing that he has to say. And so when I ask you a question that seems like it's obvious, well, of course I wanna hear from God, I'm gonna ask it again. Are you truly desperate to hear from the voice of God if it means hearing from him on issues that you're not even praying about? If it means hearing from him words that might not feel like they're comforting to you in the moment. If it means hearing from him possibly a rebuke. What Elijah heard from God in the whisper was not like, hey, keep going, where you're at is just fine. No, it was rebuke. God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is not what I've called you to. I have more for you. You're going to leave this mountain and you're going to go back to my people and you're going to anoint a new king of Syria. You're going to anoint a new king of Israel and you're going to anoint a prophet after you who's going to do twice as many miracles as you've done. What are you doing hiding away here? Are there areas in your life that you said, God, I want you to speak to me about my finances? But I don't want you to speak to me about what I do with my girlfriend when the lights are off. I want you to speak to me about my family, this relationship. Why is it that I seem like I'm living in the twilight zone and me and this person, we can't figure it out. Can you just rebuke that person of their pride? Well, what if God wants to rebuke you of your pride? Are there compartments or areas of your life that you say, no, God, that's off limits? Because if we even take one subject off of the table, we're gonna callous our own ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When we approach the subject of listening to God and hearing from God, we have to face soberly this question. Do I genuinely in my heart want to hear from God no matter what it is that he wants to say to me? And am I willing to put down or turn down or turn off things that are static in my ears, things that are blocking me from hearing the whisper of heaven? So this message was not a message to put really anything in your hand and say, hey, go and do this. Because to give a tool to somebody that's not ready to wield it is foolish. We all, myself included, I think we have the opportunity this week and going into this series to posture ourselves and position ourselves in a way that says, God, I'm serious about hearing from you not just on the subjects that I want to hear from you, but on any subject that you want to speak about. I want you. And so I'm going to lean in. I'm going to tune in. And I'm going to listen, whether it's a whisper or a shout, because it's worth it, and I want to hear from you, God.